Hey, Becker, Scotty, psyched to be back uh, recording another episode. How you guys doing? Fantastic. It's uh, It's been too long. Yeah, it, it, it's been a little bit for us. Um, I was getting ready for this week's episode, and, and like we all were, I was... I was diving deep, 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 deep into Beatles history, um, and, and I was doing some last-minute stuff this morning, and I found out that, um, do you know that on this very day, the the very night we are recording this podcast in 1965, all four Beatles met at George's house uh, to decide on the, the title of their new record uh, in, in 1965. You guys know this? Big I know nothing about it. Oh, yeah. So we all know that it's 65. So the the album's called Rubber Soul. Um, Narrowly, narrowly beat out the originally planned title, The Stony Beatles, colon, not a drug reference. you bloodomaniacs please don't say goodbye at least for the next 45 minutes or so thanks for joining in with us this evening this is episode three of blotto beatles as you know by now we are the world's leading if not only smash savants of beatles broadcasting we are a podcast where a couple of friends have a couple of drinks and come to get together to discuss and rank a single beatles song i'm joined tonight and always by one of the pete best friends a man could ask for my co-host tommy hey what's going on how you been this week? I'm living in this quarantine world, but I'm listening to the Beatles. So here we are. And that's the amazing thing about this. We got this podcast together uh, in the midst of this pandemic, and we are broadcasting separately from our three virtual studios. We have Tommy on the line, and also we have our amazing producer, the George Martin of New, New England. England, Scotty C. Scotty C., how are you doing this evening? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm feeling great. There's something in the way he moves, isn't there? <laughs> On a, a Zoom, right? <laughs> zoom a Zoom in the boom boom. <laughs> Scotty C, have you uh, you got anything in your cup this evening? I switched it up tonight, actually. Um, I got slain Irish whiskey. Oh. Well, and I think it's in reference to Slane Castle um, in Ireland. Yeah. And it's triple casked, blended, and it's about $5 cheaper than Jameson. Well, that, yeah, that is different than your normal pick of shame a son. <laughs> hey, how many, you know? How many casks bucks, does Jameson bucks? usually have? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, how's your week been? Have you listened to any Beatles? Uh, yeah, I, I've been listening a bit. I, I, I've uh, I'm not going to reveal too much, but uh, about this week's pick, I, I've been I've been diving in. You know what I've done this week is I've gone into a lot of interviews, a lot of great YouTube videos, a lot of Ringo on uh, talk shows in the 1980s has really filled the void I didn't know I had. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, and, and with that yeah. in my cup, because I know that's your next question uh, this week. It, it, I'm going to let people behind the curtain a little bit. This week was Cinco de Mayo. 
here in the Americas. And uh, we're always interested in, in celebrating our Mexican heritage and culture and our friends from Mexico that are here. So I've been dabbling in some Mexican beers and some Mexican liquors, and uh, I'm continuing that trend tonight. I'm having a margarita right now that is filled with some Cazadores tequila, but uh, that's coming to an end pretty soon because we've been on this call for a minute. So uh, I got some local brews coming up pretty soon. We've got uh, out of Night Shift Brewery, uh, I think that's Everett, right? Is that Everett? Absolutely. So out of the Night Shift Brewery, I've got a Night Light because I'm watching my waistline. It's a delicious, tasty lager. And then out of your own Woburn Mass, made from Woburn Water, famous from a civil action, I got the Boom Sauce Double IPA on deck. So excited to get going here and have a couple drinks with you guys. Nice to see you drinking local. And um, I'm excited to do a tequila-fueled episode with you. I, uh, I myself, I have had a couple of, uh, bourbon cocktails, uh, with a little bit of Woodford reserve. I bought a pandemic sized bottle that I'm working my way through. We'll probably get an episode or two more out of that, but I do have a couple of local beers on tap. Uh, I'm going to tap into a, a remnant, which is down the street in Sumner, Somerville from me. I have a main beer company and also an exhibit a that I'm hoping to get through on this episode. So, uh, pretty exciting stuff. I hope let's do it. So we come together, as you know, and we talk about a single track, but um, do you think there's anyone who's tuned in, Tommy, that maybe hasn't heard the Beatles? You know, there there very well could be some people, maybe they've just heard the name, and um, because of our, I mean, this is our third episode, so much like the Beatles' third single, um, we're just, we're rolling in fame right now. It's all number ones for us. And they, it, it's just coming to the top of their podcast aggregator. And they're saying, what is this Beatles people are so excited about? So yeah, could very well be. And I would love it if you would just take a minute and kind of tell the audience who the Beatles are. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I dug in pretty deep this week because I feel like, I feel like I've been letting you down. Um, oh, don't let me down. <laughs> I said letting you down. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I think I nailed it this 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 week. So let me give it a try. We have four lovable lads from Dublin. uh, Larry, Adam, Uh, Bono and the Edge. Yeah, you know, you're 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 off, man. They met as Um, teens. Becker, uh, Becker, the early 80s. Becker. Yeah, yeah, I think I got I got more. Okay, I think you're talking about U2 though. I, I the the band U2 with Bono. That doesn't sound right. There's um they have a couple hits like I still haven't found what I'm looking through you, <laughs> and here there and everywhere the streets have no name. You've got to hide your mysterious love always. I don't know what happened to your Wikipedia page, man. <laughs> but uh, there is a massive merging uh, of two bands going on right now. You're really focused in on heavily on you two, though. Uh, Bono, you, you remember him, man. He uh, it was your favorite uh, thing to say that summer. Uno, dos, tres, catorce. You said that all <laughs> summer long. Do you remember that? Uh, that you're talking about you two. That's how I learned to count. Uh, I don't think so, because the very famous record that I had Scotty C uh, queue up in the studio jukebox, Octung Baby, You're a Rich Man. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yeah. Now I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) 
right, Becker man, I, I'm I'm waiting for this tune. Hit play. Let's hear it. I'm I'm excited. Uno, dos, tres, catorce, baby, you're a rich man, baby, you're okay, a rich man. Okay, you are just insane. <laughs> there is no song that is that. So I'm going to move forward here. Um, let's get into the rules of the show for our third episode. It is our third episode, uh, but still, as a listener, this may be your first time with us and welcome. Uh, we want to remind you, though, that we follow some really strict guidelines for each episode. A few days ago... Producer Scotty C, as we call him, the George Martin of New England, messaged both me and Becker with his pick for the week. Uh, he makes sure in, in that pick that he alternates both albums and primary composers from the previous episode. Tonight, we got on the line a little, a little early. We had a drink together, and then we hit record. Becker and I are ready to go deep, as deep as an octopus's garden on this song and just rank it at the end of the episode in the definitive list of Beatles tunes when you've had uh, a few cocktails. For us, the big surprise, though, is going to come uh, in this evening's Magical Mystery Word. That's picked by Scotty C. If either Becker or I utter the Magical Mystery Word, the show immediately comes to a halt. And we all have to take a shot that we all have on standby. Finally, our dear listeners... Uh, our Beatlemaniacs, as a gift to you. We will end this evening's episode with a karaoke rendition of that song, sung at the height of our inebriation. That tune was penned uh, by the Fab Four and then reinterpreted by Sc Scotty C here and our dear friend R.B. If you'd like to reach out to thank us for that, to correct us on a mistake or to continue the discussion. We welcome that. You can reach out to us on Instagram, on Twitter at Blotto Beatles. Those are our handles there. Or you can email us Blotto Beatles at gmail.com. Much like how Yoko used to write uh, love letters to John. Don't forget to rate review and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Tommy, I'd like to keep this moving along, but I do have a point of correction. We got some uh, we got some fan mail last week. We, not we, you seem to have made some sort of serious faux pas that really <laughs> uh, rippled amongst the fans. But last week, you identified as having heard the White Album for the first time at the age of 17. Mm -hmm. And then merely seconds later, you said at the age of 11. Mm -hmm. Do you want to set the record straight? Um, there is a rumor going around that You've never heard the White Album. No, no. I, I I, think it's important to come out with a clear statement that what I said was absolutely correct. I heard the White Album for the first time at both the ages of 17 and 11. <laughs> you were talking about disc one and disc two. Is that correct? <laughs> As no. a young child, he could only afford the first disc at age of 11. Did you ever see a movie trailer where they say, see it again for the first time? <laughs> Used from Spinnakers. <laughs> All right, welcome back, everybody. We are ready to get into the meat uh, of this week's episode, much like the meat you saw on the cover of the original Yesterday and Today pressing. As we said, Scotty C picked a song for us earlier this week, and I'm going to turn it over to him for a minute. Scotty, why don't you introduce for us the song of the week and give us a little bit about it? Thanks. <laughs> I like that, Tommy. <laughs> um, all right. We got our first John song. 
Three episodes hey, in. Before we get into it, then, can can I just... I'm going to put the pause button on. A toast to John Lennon and uh, his song, To Lennon. Let's John. all cheers. A toast to John. Sincerely, I miss you. I would love to see what you're up to um, to this day. Uh, I mean that very sincerely. I, I totally agree. Yes. <clears throat> so this is a John song. We're talking about Rubber Soul, an album that came out. It's a gem of an album. It came out in 1965. I'm so pumped that we're going to be talking about this album. You know, it didn't make it to the U.S. till a little later, but we started with All My Lovin', a little bit older. We went to Long, 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 a little bit more obscure and under the radar. I'm coming back a little bit. Nowhere Man, John, first song where the Beatles are kind of not talking about a girl or some sort of relationship, which even, you know, All My Loving and Long, Long, Long were, you know, love songs in a certain to a certain degree. This is a serious, this is a more serious John. The vocals and the harmonies are just awesome. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it, they're so loud and they're so like full and in your face. All three of them are just singing pretty much the whole time in some form. No one's overdoing anything. George barely plays anything. He just does this little riff. It sounds amazing. They're pushing the treble on the, on the board. They're asking them to, to run it through five other boards. They're experimenting. This is like the beginning of that sort of stuff. They're, they're in the studio. You know, they, they end up playing this song live throughout their tours thereafter, Robert Soul. And it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's the beginning of something different. And I think this song represents that as much as anything on Rubber Soul from what people have heard previously from the Beatles. And like I said, with the studio experimentation, this sort of song written in the in the middle of the night or the early morning. I don't even really know the true story because everyone tells it different every time they tell it. But um, I love the little solo. I guess John and George like line their amps up and they just played it together at the same time. And it's so, it's it's so interesting, and it comes so early in the song for a solo. You you would think like it's almost like the second verse is a solo. That might be musician nerdy stuff, but nowhere man, I think was a a a, a great song, and changed uh, a lot and turned the corner for people that were listening to the Beatles previously. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you boys get into it and tell me what you think of this song, and we're gonna have a good old time. Great song. Uh, so happy to be diving into John, especially with this material. Um, this is the the start of the meat of the Beatles for me. And diving into this a little bit and sort of thinking about John in a way that I necessarily hadn't thought of before. But like uh, 1964 and 1965, John, is he's probably going through some stuff. And uh, I thought about these things individually and then you, you sort of put them all together. But... Uh, Tommy, he has, he's a loser early yep. on and that's, he, need, he, he needs some help. Yeah. He needs pretty help soon after that. And help is probably more, listening to this and going back to listen. Help yeah. is more of a cry for help than I maybe had really ever thought about before. Which is like, weird because it's right in the title. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's not just like, oh, I need a girlfriend. Like help is maybe a cry for help. Yeah. And and someone was like, oh, let's make a make a film called Help, but that doesn't seem in line with things. And then he writes, uh, you know, he writes Nowhere Man, which 
which is about him, right? Like, I don't know that he ever really says it, but like, this is, this is John. Like, is there yeah. any, you know, he he's says got a little about help. Like I, I've definitely heard interviews with him where he's talking about help and he's like, that's me. Like that, that's what I was going through at the time. He's like, look at me on those videos. I'm a fat ass and I'm, I'm sitting up there hiding behind my guitar and, um, and this one, you know, I don't think he says it as directly. Paul, I know, says it. Paul has said, well, yeah, John's talking about himself in that song. I mean, he, uh, John sort of cheekily in his uh, John's Turner phrase, he has that, uh, isn't he a bit like you and me? Yeah. Um, it, which is, you know, that that seems like a very John thing to say. Yep. But uh, Scotty sees through us this song. I dove in. I listened to it a ton this week. And then I thought about help. Um, I thought about I'm a loser. I thought about these songs. I'm like, John is being a bit of a crybaby. Like, right? Like, he, the, you're saying he, he, he's going to cry, baby, cry? <laughs> a little bit later, he'll find himself crybaby crying. But uh, I'm like, the world, you're right. The world is at your command. Like, what are you crying about? And then mm-hmm. I went to look at it a little bit. So this uh, Rubber Soul came out in 1965. I go back to look at it a little bit, but... Between 61 and 63, a little bit before the Beatles had ever, you know, really, really hit it in the States. They had played the Cabin Club between 1961 and 63. They played the Cabin Club 292 times. So John Lennon had been up there like grinding it out and then gets famous. You know what I mean? Like that's uh, of course you are beat to shit. You know, we think that we have just met you, right? Like you're like you think that John and Paul and, and George and Ringo came from you know, the ground, right? And came to sort of Beatlemania. But like they had been grinding out and whatever it mean, meant to grind it out in 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 the early days in, in Liverpool and, and in Hamburg previous to that. And I think that meant playing all fucking night, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that they had already gone through this entire uh, hardcore life of living as, as young, young men. And of course, John was beat to shit, right? Like he had gone through this grind. He had he got married. I think he had a wife at this point. He's already still a very young man. Yeah, he does. And I think, you know, that's in my mind, a a big part of it is, you know, he marries Cynthia and as a young, young guy. um, And I, I, I don't know off the top of my head, to be honest, if she was already pregnant with Julian or not when they get married. Um, but at the very least, it's pretty soon after. And maybe like thinking you're, you're walking in this door of adulthood and realizing it, it's not all it's cracked up to be something we've all kind of been through, I think, to one or deg- one degree or another. It doesn't, doesn't matter how much money you have in, in the bank account, right? Like you think you're taking these steps of like getting married or buying a house or doing whatever. And um, there are pitfalls along the way that you don't expect uh, many parts where you are very happy and things are going well. But I think we can all recognize like there's a story that's sold to us. That, yeah, for uh, sure. John is such a tough one to do research on because um, there's almost a quote through all of the John shit that he, he sort of tosses aside almost all of this Beatles stuff, but uh, certainly the early stuff he sort of, jerks off as having been not all that important but i i don't really believe it like yes the passage of time and you become an older man and you throw off some of your earlier tune uh hold on was jerk off the magical mystery word <laughs> no oh all right i'll resume so it's uh 
you know, it's interesting that John, he tries to sort of uh, distance himself from all of this music, but I believe Nowhere Man, and even stepping back a little bit, because it's the first time we're touching Rubber Soul as a podcast. Yeah. This is where, this is where the Beatles start for me. They are coming into their own. They're coming off of uh, what, what Scotty sort of started in the intro is that it's not songs about this theoretical woman or girl or someone that they don't even know. Like these are real songs that they were trying to form around uh, feelings they were having. They, uh, you alluded to earlier, not even alluded to it. You just said it, but they, they had smoked weed. They had heard and met Bob Dylan. And then I, I think that they thought like, we need to do something. You know, they'd been a band for only a couple of years, but I think that they thought this, it's time to do something. And I believe that was the rubber soul is the, the result of that. So I'll, I'll pop in there for a second and just say you and I Becker, I think are always going to have this <clears throat> kind of foundational disagreement about the Beatles. And, and I think I'm standing on this hill alone with a flag about where the turning point is, because um, I think if anything, rubber soul is more like help. And, and, you know, I, I don't think help is necessarily the turning point, but they're definitely smoking weed during help. Um, and it, just watch the movie and look at them, first of all. <laughs> but um, and I, I could say all day, like, OK, well, how is this song necessarily different than You've Got to Hide Your Love Away? Which I think is another song where he's not just talking to John isn't just talking to a girl in You've Got to Hide Your Love Away. But I'm not going to spend all day talking about help. I want to talk about Rubber Soul and about this song. My introduction to the Beatles, a lot of ways, comes through Rubber Soul. Um, we've talked a lot about that idea of you find your parents' record collection in the basement and, and you dig out the things that look interesting to you. Um, you know, I, I found Tommy Becker. You and I have talked about that. We both found Tommy. My mom had a copy of Rubber Soul uh, hanging out in the basement as well. And I put that on, but this song was not on it because she had the U S release, um, that she had stolen. I thought you were going to say because, uh, rub her soul was a pornographic film. That was <laughs> yeah. And we were the Catholic, same time. So, um, <laughs> Well, and coming back to that, she clearly stolen it from a friend because the last name Riley is written all over the record. But, um, you know, I think so. It, it I didn't have this in my introduction of Rubber Soul. And when I'm listening to Rubber Soul, I don't know that there's a difference as a kid between the U.S. version and the, the British release. Right. Uh, sure. Let alone there wasn't Wikipedia. I, I didn't care about any yeah. of that. Rubber Soul um, still seems seamless as a U.S. release. Like, okay, I'm like, yeah, yeah it's missing Nowhere Man. It's missing, uh, you know, Drive My but, Car. But you don't think about that because you don't, you don't know it, mm. you know. So specifically on this song, um, you know, so I, I definitely came in it, into it later, and I, I'm going to say I didn't hear the uh, British Rubber Soul until I was off to college, and I, I know that for certain. So I bought it at Newberry Comics in Boston. Um, and went home and listened to it and, you know, realizing there were a few different songs on it. I think this is a fantastic song. I love this John, the, this like kind of barren, lonely John, even though he's not saying it's him. He, yep. He's talking about the nowhere man, but we, we all know it's him, right? There's something, and, and maybe it is that third person thing that, that, he's taking a step back away from himself as like the narrator to the character of nowhere, man. There's something in this song that I, I'm always like, 
does it reach that emotional core of what I want it to get to? It's yeah. beautifully written. It sounds amazing. Paul's no, busy little baseline in the back short, yeah. is pretty crazy. Can we talk about that for one second? I think that yeah. Paul was still union on this record because he's getting paid by the note as far as I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Paul. <laughs> what's you know, what's he doing back there? Like he's he's making it sounds amazing on its own, but like he's doing more work than he needs to do back there. Uh, Scotty C, what do you think about that? I love I love what Paul does. He is an amazing bass player. It's very vocal. It's crazy because uh, like I said, the first time I heard this, I'm listening to the CD version and Paul is so in the background. Like, I don't know that I heard that at all. Well, I think he's supposed to kind of be in the background, but for those people that listen to Motown music, this is what's in the front. This sort of James Jamerson, you know, walking through everything, finding the next chord, and just feeling it out. Scott, you just hit on the point that it is something like really only in the last few months I've come to understand. Like I always thought of Rubber Soul as like uh, the weed record and the the the, the bro breaking the door into like psychedelia or whatever that means. It's there's so much R&B on this record. There's so yeah. much soul on this record. There's so much Motown on this record. And you listen to even them talking about it. And George is saying things like, oh, yeah, I'm doing that Otis Redding horn part in my guitar here or yeah. there or whatever. It, yeah. it's, it's a soul record. Clank, clank, clank. Yeah. And which yeah. you would have thought I would have I've... recognized from the title Rubber Soul. <laughs> but it took me until like this yeah. week to get there. Yeah. I, these are all things that they're like, they, they check and I've read in the, the biographies and all these things, but I, I hadn't, I didn't hear at the time. It wasn't my exposure and, and, and coming in way later and, and understanding some of this music is, has changed these records for me for sure. You know, what I think is super interesting about this record right there, uh, we've said it before, they, they've smoked some weed and, you know, they've met Dylan. They, they met Dylan uh, in New York a little bit prior to this. And I feel like they're trying to be serious on this record. And we're going to talk about all the songs and we'll be able to get through all of that. But there's almost some level of Beatlesness that they can't shake in a way, right? Like the Beatles background vocals and all of that, the, the la la la, like that has not gone away from, right? Like Dylan is raw and he's singing. And, and at this point there's no one else singing on, on Dylan records or whatever. So it, it's interesting yeah. that um, their dive in to be like, these are our new songs and this is sort of an honest take on things is still um, popified, right? Like this is what pop music is for them and, and they can't, uh, they can't pivot away from that. Right. But I think too, like, so it's Dylan, but you know, so are we saying the birds are only getting their stuff, their, their initial start from the Beatles, right? Like, are, are they just riffing off the Beatles to get their jump because they're ripping off Dylan. Well, if not Dylan, yeah, I was going to say, you know, like right, well, they cover Dylan so much too. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you've got that. Wait, bird wait, hold on, like, hold on. Should we be doing a bird's podcast? <laughs> Tommy, wait, you know, we, hold on. Let's, yeah. let's start this. The, the, the beards, the beards casts. <laughs> yeah. Cast. <laughs> 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 but I think like, I, and that's rubber soul to me. Like it's, it's got so much of that Crosby thing and that, that McGuinn thing 
together that like that's from an er that's been imprinted from an early age i just can't shake that feeling of like that's what these songs sound like you know when they're on the radio um uh, you could almost mistake them for each other uh so i did hear that this song was sort of written late in the recording process and sort of seemingly when they were struggling to to put a record out um is that the magical mystery one no but uh i think they did this song they they rehearsed it one day and then a couple days later or the next day yeah they did everything quick. that same day that, that same night or whatever yeah well there it, there's some funny stories i've heard about like this uh john is you know he's home with cynthia and with the kid and he's feeling the pressure of like bachelor paul being able to just like crank out song after song after song and paul's like I, i've got my eight tunes like or my seven tunes whatever it is like do you have yours where are they let's go into the studio two weeks from now and, and nail these down and you know john's trying to live a life and be a dad and a husband at the same time as being john lennon to everyone else i, I think there's something to be said there we've i know we've all yeah. read the same story about him uh you know, trying to write a song for six hours one day and going to bed and lying down. And this just emerged from the muse somehow, like <laughs> as a full and complete thing. But um, it's that dynamic between Paul and John is always super interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially on this record where they still are, um, you can almost draw the line because you have the uh the benefit of history on your side right now but like they're still they're still comrades here together like there isn't uh you know maybe i'll disagree with this later but there isn't a super super dividing line here where it's like of course the beatles were going to break up like of course paul and john mm -hmm. were very different people like this still feels like a record which we're getting very close to Album's not feeling like a cohesive record. We only have one or two more to go after Rubber Soul, um, and and this is this this tune is part of that. In is this the most cohesive Beatles record? It's probably not right. Like Sergeant Pepper probably is in some degree, like in some level of vision, but I don't know. Like that there there's absolutely an argument for what you just said and i i almost i have this as like a handwritten note from this week where like is this the first is this the last beatles album uh well i don't know i'm not sure no i think revolver is album. probably a beatles album but it's written together but is it written from the notion of us putting an album together is is should, a different question should um, they have changed their name to beatles 2 <laughs> Taken. After. It's already taken. Sorry. <laughs> Copyright patent pending. No, I think like whatever, like I said earlier I, tonight as we were talking, I don't believe Sgt. Pepper is my favorite Beatles record. But you I said do, that, you I, said that I, tonight? I don't think there's an argument that Sgt. Pepper is not a full band Beatles record, right? Like oh, yeah. for whatever other instruments they're bringing in for whatever orchestra or horn or whatever comes into a song, like that's, uh, that's the record of a band playing together. Yeah. I, I think that, it, I mean, that album is probably peak album Beatles. I don't, you know, I mean, it's, that's a hot take. <laughs> Sergeant Pepper's peak Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hot take. I think that... Uh, Where, just a reminder, you can bring your, your disagreements to at Blotto Beatles on Twitter. We yeah. will accept Tell them. us your peak Beatles. <laughs> but in the world of like, we are writing this together and making an album and write the, the stories are still like, Oh, Paul is coming around to John's house and they're writing these songs. You know, yeah. I think that this feels more organic, right? Like Sergeant Peppers did not happen by two friends sitting together and, and writing guitar music. Um, it's, it's impossible. You know, it, it exists only in the, in the comfiness of knowing that you have George Martin and Abbey road studios behind you. And probably because Rubber Soul happened, right? This is the first record where they spend a month in the studio just kind of taking the time to nail down what they want the songs to sound like. And that starts to hint at, at what else they could have in there. You know, yeah. of course you hang out and you get to write all these tunes and be with your friends and then you go on the road and no one cares about the music. You're gonna, and you had just been doing all of this work for years and years ahead of time. You're like, of course I just want to hang out in the studio, you know? Mm-hmm. What I think I have, this is a note and I don't know how anyone else feels about it, but every time I do some research on a tune and, and how they recorded and all of that, it just seems like George Martin and everyone at Abbey Road just thought the Beatles were like the biggest fucking idiots like in the world. Like <laughs> even at like the height of their power yeah. uh, at, at White Album, they're showing up and and they're still like giving them grief about wanting to play with stuff. But like my notes here on this song are right. Like they showed up and they're like, Oh, we want super trebly guitars. You got to run this through another pot or whatever. And, and the, the engineers are like, Oh, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, like you guys are just some crazy kids with guitars. You know, why does this happen all the way? Th- like, uh, you know, George Martin doesn't think that, uh, Paul McCartney can play the, uh, piano solo on Martha, my dear, you know, and it's like, come on. Like these are like men, you know, like <laughs> boys becoming men is, uh, what I say about the Beatles, you know, and I'm going to say it all, all podcasts, but why is that the constant through line? Like right now, like the, the sort of narration of, of an engineer at a studio is like a little bit more dim- diminutive to, to the band, but that didn't seem like it, like that's the way business was done back then. Is it a bit of a mystique, like at this point in our lives, that they experimented so much in the studio and and then it's been over, you know, overblown over the years, maybe? So you're, are you celebrating the engineers over the Beatles? I think it's, I think that they probably had a a pretty good part. I'm just, you know, I'm looking out for the little guy. Uh, Look at Steve Albini over here, just <laughs> looking out for the little guy. I love it. I just go to work. I well, do my well, job. Well, if you're and nowhere, home, where you know? are you? <laughs> you're uh, a nowhere man. Yeah. If you're nowhere, if if you're not nowhere, where are you? <laughs> Is that a Lennon lyric? It's pretty serious. <laughs> um, Is the magical mystery word somewhere? <laughs> Thank you, RB, for providing those sweet and luscious. Yeah, our tour to uh, as we drink this toast to the magical mystery word, which was Scott. Somewhere you might have said that like five times. I might be drinking a lot. That's all right. Somewhere. So the word was somewhere, and and, uh, you know, once again, uh, 
Scotty C's done yeoman's work in recording some of these sound bits, and he's enlisted the the help of our dear friend RB. So a toast to them as we do this magical mystery shot. Thank you guys. Thank you. Why did I ask for that? Oh, that was your fault. Sick man. <laughs> so we've we've talked about a uh, a lot about the song like Paul's baseline and the 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 treble guitars, and I came to one thing that I just want to revisit for a second, and that is my own feeling about the song. And um, I know Scott and I have talked about this a, a little bit, and like why I think. I, it, Why if did I you talk about it without me? I'm sorry. We didn't call. Um, if I were to choose <laughs> to go to... You've got the name. Just look up the number. Becker, <laughs> all right, first of all. Um, if I were to choose to go to help the song or Nowhere Man the song, if so, if those were the two songs on the jukebox, I'm going to put help on first. And I don't necessarily know why that is because this checks all the boxes for things I should love about a Beatles song. It's got interesting vocal parts. It's got a cool Paul bassline. It has yeah. uh lonely John It is a big box for me that I, that I want to yeah, check. Amazing. You know, the, depression, the, John, almost. I mean, like, I think that's what we're learning. Yeah. Like it's, it's depression, right? Things I want to listen to and like uncover and, and discover. And I don't know what it is about nowhere, man, that makes it less interesting to me than help. And the only thing I can come to is it, it's kind of like a, a cop out for me is that like, is it just that he's not admitting I'm the nowhere man? Uh, throughout yeah. the lyrics, like from start yeah. to finish, he's not just saying this is me. Um, and that takes away a little of that personal connection. I don't know. Like, what do you guys think? D do you guys feel that same way or am I alone in that? Cause I, I think this should be one of my favorite Beatles songs and I don't know why it isn't. I, this is a, this is my Beatles jumping off point. I think right around here, I think, um, Norwegian Wood. I think the this starts it for me in a in a big big way. I'm gonna put the pause button on you for a second though because <sighs> hey, Norwegian Wood, awesome song. Hey, wait, how did how did you get a how did you get a pause button? Yeah, Scotty gave it to me, but <laughs> I don't think I did. Did I? Let's. <laughs> I'm talking about Nowhere Man. Don't, no, no, don't I know, talk I, about the I other know. songs. <laughs> wait, talk Norwegian about Wood. Man. Norwegian Wood comes two songs before this, right? Yes, yeah, I believe so. It's a better song too, but uh, talked. But isn't it good? Uh, so here's a here's what I think about <laughs> what uh, Norwegian wood. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, you ever seen a burn? Uh, <laughs> here's the thing: I just didn't. I didn't have this reverence for help until pretty recently. Like I did not think about help as deeply as help probably really means. You know, so. Uh, I, I still put that in the sort of toss off songs of like um, the Beatles writing about exactly what they're feeling in that moment. Or I want to kiss a girl. I want to hold your hand. Like it's not, it it's not fully actualized. I'm not fully realized yet. And I hate to put you on the spot, but once again, you're not talking about nowhere, man. <laughs> Do you think nowhere, man is a great Beatles song? Oh, are we getting to the rankings? Is that what you're asking oh, me yet? Or are, you're just are, saying is... Are we I talking mean, about we, the rankings? We should do this. We are the Blotta Beatles, and our goal is to assemble for you 
a list. Five, four, yeah. three, two. We've got the list going, everybody, of the every Beatles song. We're going to rank them for you. Greatest to leadest. It's so canonical. <laughs> it is canonical. We've got them greatest to leadest. And this is our third episode. And so I, I'm going to run down the list for you right now. Uh, ranking in at number one right now, we've got Long, Long, Long from the White Album. It's uh, primary composer George Harrison. And ranking in at number two is All My Lovin' from the album With the Beatles, primary composer Paul McCartney. So what we need to do right now, my friends, is we need to figure out where Nowhere Man ranks in this great pantheon of Beatles tunes. And as you can probably tell here, I'm struggling because my head is saying one thing and my heart's saying another. And I'm going to rely on you, Becker, a little bit to lead the way on this guy and, and tell me what you're feeling on the one, two, three scale for nowhere, man. Uh, I, well, it can't rank nowhere. So it's got to rank. <laughs> it's got to rank <laughs> on the list. You're right. Yeah, it's, of course. <laughs> so right now, if I had to reshuffle, um, I am keeping long, long, long at the top. All right. I'm going number two. Nowhere, man. I can I can appreciate that. And, and I'm I going can, number three. All my loving. I can agree with that. You know, there's some and here's uh, if I can if I can defend this, I think that. Um, I think there's a, a bunch of great early Beatles songs that we're going to talk about. And I think some of them are going to topple all my loving and maybe some of them are going to topple nowhere, man. But um, right now I feel like we're setting up sort of a strong system to start slotting in other tunes. And you know what? Here's a question I just want us to consider. And I think you're right here, but I think there comes a time where we're going to need to talk about, um, the how good the song is versus the importance of the song historically yep. right and i think there is something to be said for all my lovin being a more important song than either nowhere man or long 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 right especially because of the ed sullivan component there this is the first song that totally. americans see the beatles play um and I don't know what our answer is there philosophically. I don't know that we need to come to one. And I think it could change day by day, but I'm excited for it to be part of the conversation. Yeah. And and that's what's going to be exciting about the list and the evolution of the list is that we're making commitments right now that is, is going to bump this stuff maybe way, way down the line. You know, uh, we have no control. You know, what what it means right now and what it means 50 songs in is is going to be a crazily different conversation. Oh my goodness. That was our ranking. And that is the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode three of Blotto Beatles. I'm Tommy. That was Becker, your co-host. And as always, we were joined in the virtual studio by the George Martin of new England, Scotty C. Uh, this podcast was produced, edited, and composed magically by him. We had additional musical supervision. Uh, it, it, 
I'll be honest with you. It, it came out just this week. It may come out in our earlier episodes as we are still editing them before publishing them. Uh, so we, we need to let you know that additional musical supervision and assistance came from our good friend, RB. Go check him out uh, at Ryan O. Brooks on all your socials. Okay. So huge thanks to him for helping out for with this music, for coming on, for lending us a hand on this episode, on previous episodes, on future episodes. We are Blood Beatles, don't forget, rate us, review us on all your podcast uh, aggregators that are out there. Don't forget to give us those five stars. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to follow us. At Blotto Beatles, at Instagram, at Twitter. Don't forget to email us, Beatles at gmail.com. Tell us everything we said that was wrong. And my friends, much like uh, George and John after they drank too much of that magic tea, don't forget to drink responsibly. Let it be. Yeah, just let it be. Don't forget to drink responsibly. We're all in our homes. We're all here safe. Drink responsibly. Do the right thing. Listen to the Beatles. This has been Bottle Beatles. Reach out to us. We're excited to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you, RB. Peace and love. He's as blind as he can be. Just sees what he wants to see. Nowhere.